0: Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. When in Matthew chapter five, before the Sermon on the Mount, it says that Jesus saw the crowd and withdrew and his disciples came to him And he opened his mouth and began to teach them saying, and then he started, and he went through the Beatitudes. When I call, I call them Beatitudes, they call them that because it is from the Latin word Beatus, which means blessed. And he gives us multiple Beatitudes and then blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And then for the rest of chapter five. All of chapter 6 and all of chapter 7 he fleshes those out. He, he expounds on them so that we can understand and what he's doing is he's preparing them for the things that are ahead of them. You got to remember that of course Matthew doesn't teach in perfectly chronological order. There is a semi semi chronological order to it but it is only semi so he the only one we know that was in perfect chronological order was Luke because he investigated things from front to back and he had multiple sources and went through that and and when I say sources I don't just mean written I mean speaking with people but Mark of course Luke was written to the Gentile world in general the Greek world Mark was written to the Romans Matthew was written to the Jews, and in their literature, they're not particularly uh, too worried about having everything precisely in chronological order because they are interested in what the narrative of what God has to share within it. And then, of course, the Gospel of John was written to us. All right. And so we come down to Matthew. We, We did this a couple of weeks ago. and we looked at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Some versions say filled. And we went on to blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. But I want to come back to this because I think this is a linchpin. Uh, the, the, the the 5, 6, uh, about... Hungering and thirsting for righteousness is a linchpin because in the Western church today in particular, righteousness has not become something that very many uh, Christians are taught to pursue. We are to pursue it. All right. And we'll get to that. But before we go much further, it just came to me earlier this evening. There's something I want to read you. And uh, uh, that, you know, we're going to be talking again of the, the final in our series on the prophetic update um, on, on Sunday and there is growing evidence that the uh, current war uh, in the Middle East may be about to widen and I don't know whether it will or not I know it will eventually when that is I don't know the scripture is very clear in Zef- or Zechariah that all the world will be against Jerusalem and it will become a whole, and that will include the United States and I can think of some things that would happen that would, that would even put us in that category, which it's foolish, but that's where the world's going. And we'll, we'll talk about all of that on Sunday. I invite you to be here for that. But I want to come back to this. I want to come back to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, where, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be Filled. They shall be satisfied. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That how Jesus is attempting to train his disciples about what it is that they're to, they're to seek in life, what they, the way they are to walk, because. Great and mighty things are about to happen. Now, along the way, there are going to be some things that are going to set them back that they didn't. They all entered into following Jesus, and as they began to see him as the Son of God, they developed some. What happened is he, they began to fill in the gaps in, in theology and their theology and in you know, the, their messianic understanding. And we get in trouble when we start filling in the gaps. We need to let God do that. I mean if you know what I'm saying there you know and he didn't meet their expectations I mean even when he started talking about how we're going to go up to Jerusalem and I'm going to be mistreated hand over to the Gentiles etc. Peter takes him aside and feels the liberty to rebuke him and say you know you know never shall this happen to you Lord and the Lord had to put him in his place but again God is the subject of this. Because when we talk about uh, the hunger and thirst for righteousness, the only righteous one is God. And so we're talking about hungering and thirsting. That's what he's talking about for God himself. God is not a means to an end. He is an end. And only the remnant, only the smallest part of God's people understand. Here in the West, he's become, he's become a utility You know, if I do this, and we'll we'll get into that. I want to get ahead of myself, but Matthew 633 in the New King James Version, which comes under the rubric of, or the heading of blessed are the pure in heart. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. Righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, if you put God first, there won't be any unmet needs. If you will put God first, everything will be provided. Hunger and thirst, as we discussed previously, are supercharged terms. And, you know, I want you to think about this. In an agrarian society, why, I know today, people hunt for, for, for sport, right? Mark likes to hunt. His grandson was telling me about a buck that he just recently got. And showed me a picture of a, uh, was it a 10 pointer he got last year? A pretty good sized 10 point buck that he got, you know, last year. People, uh, you know, hunt pheasants, they hunt quail, they hunt deer. You know, my next door neighbor is about to go on an elk hunt here in the not too distant uh, future. uh, Very soon, etc. We're hunting for sport. But in that day, they hunted for what? Food. Exactly. They were, you know, why do people farm? When you see these John Deere tractors out, you know, doing all this stuff and you see these combines this time of year. They, in fact, are just about done bringing in the corn, bringing in the soybeans, bringing in the Milo, whatever they're, whatever it is, they're, they're, uh, they're bringing in. Why do people, why do the farmers go to, uh, I know it's to make money, but what are they doing? Why do people farm? For food. Alright. And so you, you see that they're not out planting corn or planting soybeans or whatever it is. They're planting for sport. They're doing it to lay up food for the winter time. You know, and if we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we are pursuing it. We are not just saying, oh, that'd be nice. We are doing what is necessary. Um, the, uh, um, it, there's, a, there's a restaurant over in, uh, over in well, there's a couple of them over in Overland Park that fix a particular thing that I, I really, really like. And have you ever done that? Have you ever, oh, I've got an even better uh, illustration than that. I did a funeral down in Osceola a few weeks ago. And those of you who have been to Osceola have undoubtedly been to the Osceola what? Cheese Cheese factory. Exactly. And I went in there. This was a uh, it was on a Saturday and I went in there. Uh, after I had finished uh, ministering. And that place was busier than a one-legged man in a rear kicking contest. I'm telling you, they had it going on. And I got several different kinds of smoked Swiss, smoked um, um, uh, pimento cheese, uh, and, and this of uh, these other kinds of, of cheese and brought them home and the one that was the biggest hit was the smoked pimento cheese and I just got one or two little things of it and it was gone very very quickly and then Kathy and you ladies went down to the uh, Sight and Sound Theater a couple of weeks later and stopped at the Osceola Cheese Factory on the way back and she bought two of that smoked pimento cheese and then one smaller thing and I said why didn't you get more she said well I didn't know how much we would eat and it was gone in the space of probably a week or maybe a little less and so you know I was telling her the other day I said I need to take orders gather money and just make a run <laughs> to the Osceola Cheese Factory you know, just go down there, bite the bullet, an hour and 45 minutes to get down there. What am I doing? I'm pursuing cheese. That's my, I, it's, that's my point about pursuit. It's you get to the point that you want something enough that you will pursue it. You will go after it. You won't just sit and go, wouldn't it be nice if I had some OCO? No, you go get it. I mean, if it gets to that point, you're willing to pay for the gas... Spend the time and do it. All right. Once you get a hold of it. What do you do with it? Well I know now we're not talking about cheese anymore. I'm talking about righteousness now. (laughs) 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 Hallelujah. (laughs) You know. uh, Well actually let's go back to cheese. You're right. You know. um, You know. uh, you, You partake exactly. If you're. Ha- hungry for a hamburger you ever just say you know I really am hungry for a hamburger and on the way I'm eating right now I can't have the bun but 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 bub loves Burger King because he says the meat tastes better I said okay than the golden arches and and so I'll get the thing with bacon and all that stuff and I'll just eat the meat I won't I won't I won't eat the bun but let's just say uh that you you know you uh, remember uh, remember when they opened the whataburger over here how they had lines you know i mean it was terrible for whataburger and, uh, the and, and, you know, well, it wasn't as bad as the lines for the jack-in-the-box over in 7, you know, in Blue Springs. They had to actually have police officers out directing traffic because, you know, for jack-in-the-box, you know. And they they had jack-in-the-box, and I won't tell you what we called it when I was a cop down in Texas. But anyway, when, uh, and so, you know, let's, and so somebody goes, they just opened a brand-new Whataburger down there in, uh, Uh, Well, I think the first one they opened was over on the Kansas side. So, well, you know, you want me to go over and get us a water burger? You know, oh, by the time you get back, it'll be cold or whatever. Well, never mind that. We'll we'll put it in the convection oven or we'll put it like that. So you drive all the way over. You wait three days in the line, right? You get through the line, you get your burger and your burned onion rings and, and... french fries you come home you set this burger that you have pursued out and you admire it oh that's a beautiful burger oh awesome wonderful burger I know I think we need to put this you know on the coffee table yeah, let's you know let's you know like that, and in fact let's go get a great big one and and for the church and put it up there right you know in front of the pulpit you know your, you know you know so that everybody have the you know the you know the pulpits yeah how many of you've seen now, pulpit Bibles you know not pulpit but they they they're you know every Baptist church I ever attended had this monster Bible you know out there. And that we had to dust off because we never it was it was purely decoration, you know, and you know I, I think we should buy a special family hamburger for the coffee table. not you're going to eat it, right the This is the actual pursuit, pursuing righteousness, hungering for it, thirsting for it, the most basic of drives is actually the pursuit if we're hunting we're stalking God Oh, that's creepy <laughs> you know we're stalking God we're chasing God himself yeah. and guess what he lets us catch him yep. he wants us to catch him yes, the use of the word righteousness there By Jesus means not just catching God, but pleasing him. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. ESV. Then one of the scribes, or and one of the scribes, came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he had answered them well, he asked them, he asked Jesus, Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, The most important is... And he gives him the Shema. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, it, uh, is, uh, our, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely. Okay, I want you to think about that. Loving God with all of your heart, all of your understanding, all of your strength, And your neighbor as yourself is wisdom. He had answered wisely. And he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus complimented him on his answer. The totality of Jesus' ministry on the earth and even now in heaven is about you. And me. And every other human being. He is all about us. Think about that for a second. God. You know we used to say. This is a good Pentecostal preacher's term. God bankrupted heaven. And sent his son. You know. Well there's actual. Truth to that. In a very real sense. And. You know. God is all about us and we are all about him or at least we should be now this is not a business deal phariseism and he was talking to the pharisees here was religion without relationship now not for all of them but it was on balance for most of them for them God was a means to an end A way to achieve wealth, a way to achieve status, a way to bolster your self esteem and the esteem of others. And the list goes on. Luke 16, 14. uh, Luke tells us now the Pharisees were lovers of money. We don't need to listen to the read the rest of it, that's enough. List lovers of money. 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2a says, but realize this in the last days, difficult. Chalapoy, savage, hard to take, times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Do we see that today? Oh, absolutely we do. That describes the Pharisees to a T. They loved, they didn't love the Lord the way they loved themselves. And in fact, If we go a little bit further in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5 talking about the religious at the end of the days, our days today, it says holding to a form, they hold to something that looks spiritual and looks godly, but they have rejected its power. What is the power? What did Paul say? I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And when they reject the gospel, they are rejecting the power of God. We are lots of people saying lots of things about seeking God, etc. Religion is mostly about, maybe even all, about me. Worship can then be whatever I want it to be whatever it is with which i'm comfortable but the the scripture doesn't you know the scripture is pretty specific about worship now I realize you can go to different i've been to south america i've been i've lived in europe you know i've i've and been to south america been a lot of time boots on the ground in russia you know and so i've seen different kinds of Worship that are culturally affected and I understand that and I would not say that our worship is superior to theirs But I would say that it is important that we worship according to the scripture which means we put God at the center of it And that it is directed to him One of the and and that it is not trying It's not a quid pro quo where I give God worship and then God does something back for me you know the Pharisees relationship with God was was pretty much it was contractual that's what a covenant is it's a contract I understand that there is that aspect of it but you know he was their cosmic counterparty to this contract I do this you know if every obedience has a commensurate blessing and a reward and then they tra- they they engineered their traditions, made it almost impossible for them to sin. Yeah, that's handy. How else would Paul be able to say concerning to, as touching the law, blameless? You cannot. He said, as touching the law, as a Pharisee, I was blameless. That's the same guy that wrote Romans seven. Wretched man that I am. And those, those people were self-deceived. They honestly thought that, you know, they were righteous because they had, they had twisted their traditions and put it to the point that it made it almost impossible for them, not completely, but almost impossible for them to sin. Which is why Jesus, here in the Sermon on the Mount, as he's going through it, says, You've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, but I say to you. What is he doing? He's straightening out Pharisaic and perhaps Sadducec doctrine. All right. And that is that, you know, God does want to bless us. I came through the prosperity movement. I did. I remember the day Mary Ann got up here and said, you know, and it's it's really bizarre watching so many things that Mary Ann told me in private in our in our fellowship together, watching those things happen today. And You know, I remember when she got up here and she said, your pastor is a miracle because he came through the faith movement. And I do mean through it. He didn't get stuck in it. Now, Don't make me wrong. I'm ungrateful for my time there. I'm grateful for, you know, my understanding of it, you know, and I learned a great deal there. Most of which I have hung on to. But there's a few things I took off the shelf and said, this isn't worth keeping and one of the things was this emphasis on wealth God wants to bless us he wants to meet our needs he wants to press down shaken together run yeah absolutely is that the most important thing no is it the second most important thing no is it the third most important thing no is it an important thing yes absolutely and God Wants to bless us, but I, in fact, I've often thought when she had her vision back in what was it, I mean, the early 70s, and she saw the earth and she saw George Bush's thousand points of light and she heard what sounded like a sonic boom, and a lot of not all but a lot of the churches got a lot brighter, and she said. This is it. This is the revival. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, this is the angel of light. It's deception. Now, you know, I want you to know that the enemy will be glad to feed us a great deal of truth as long as he can slip a little rat poison in it. I mean he will, and if, and if he can't get us to not believe God, he'll get us in the other ditch where we are to the point that we are trying to use our faith to get, like one guy I heard said, he said, I'm, I'm going to use my faith, I'm going to get a yacht, a jet, and a vet. Those, that's, that's, that was what he was, you know, and it's like, wow. You know, that's, that's, that's a high use of faith. Not. You know, how would I, you know, I'm not a subcontractor. I'm a son. You and I are not contractors in, you know, who are in, who are, who have a, a contract with God with the quid pro quo. We are sons, and that includes you ladies, of the most high God. Now, how would I test myself for the Pharisaic attitude quotient, the P-A-Q? Check my motives. Look under the hood and see if my motives are pure. We'll get more to that when he says, blessed are the pure in heart. More revealing. Oh God, I almost don't want to even bring this one up. Check my level of frustration with God. To the extent I am frustrated with God, to that extent my flesh is informing my soul. Okay, Pastor, you're meddling now. Let me say it again. To the extent, and let me, you are looking at someone who has a PhD in frustration with God. Oh no, not just a a, master, a bachelor's. I moved on and I did a master's, all 90 hours. And then I did a doctoral and I did a thesis. Why God let me down? Or why God's always late? Or why haven't you done it yet? Uh, you know, all those feelings come to me, just like they do to you. And, you know, (laughs) and to the extent I'm frustrated with him, that shows that my flesh is informing my soul rather than my spirit, which is a worshiping spirit. How many of you with me? Because... If I really trust him, I know he's always on time. And that whatever he has chosen for me is right and is the best for me. Everybody with me here? Yeah, but I want what so-and-so has. Yeah, I know that feeling. But if I was supposed to have that and it would be the best for me, That's where I would be. That's what I would have. One of the things that Paul says is contentment. Doesn't mean that I'm satisfied with what I have, but I am content. How many of you know that there's a difference? All right. In John chapter 4 and verse 23, Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well. And he says something to her that I don't think I... It says, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. I was showing Kathy, uh, there's a... I, I, do you call a YouTube channel where they do, you know, videos where they talk about stuff and they, it's a... I guess you could call that a podcast video, right? Could you call that a, you know... I think of a podcast as just being... Audio, But this, you know, has the video as well. And um, where there were th- this guy saying, he's saying, is this worship? And he showed he took the video feed from a very large church that all the lights were turned down. All every the whole uh, platform area was blue. And there were probably how many would you say maybe twenty five, twenty five 25 or 30 kids out there dancing and they had smoke coming up around them and they had this silly voice singing over it and it was a Halloween service you know and uh, I have seen some things that are supposedly worship in great big churches and I'm like Lord what's going on here but that's our culture—we're pursuing entertainment, we're pursuing feel good, we're pursuing this or that. We're not necessarily pursuing God, and we have to have all this production. Now, you know, um, Jeff and Colleen have decided that they are going to donate a smoke machine, so we're going to use it. <laughs> I only say that because Colleen had that that uh, dream. It was you that had the dream, right? With you know, where we were having a worship service and I came running out going, whoa, 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 why isn't the smoke machine on or something like that? No, we're not skinny jeans, big screens and smoke machines and all that kind of stuff. And don't don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that everybody in every church that employs stuff like that is as lost as a goose in a snowstorm because I've not visited all of them. I've not seen all of them. And so it would be, uh, hypocrisy for me to lump all uh, you, every, you know into that same thing but you know to worship he he goes on in this John 4 and 23 look what he says here to the woman at the well He first of all he tells her you're wrong you don't know what you're doing he says you worship what you do not know but we worship what we know and she said well our fathers worshipped in this mountain but you worship You people worship in Jerusalem. And he corrects her, but then he says, an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers. You know what? You don't use the word true if the word false would never apply. How many of you with me? There is false worship. All right? The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth from the heart. with sincerity look at this for such people the father seeks to be his worshipers you know we're talking about pursuing God this apparently means that God's also pursuing us I'll bet it's kind of like when you go you know you're on the ground and Jesus is standing over you because he's conquered you and you say I'm so glad I found you Jesus All the, you know, true worship where we're pursuing God is complete submission, total submission. Man it just, has anybody taken a cat and rubbed their fur the wrong way? That's my favorite thing to do with a cat because I don't like cats. I'm kidding. That isn't my favorite thing. There is no favorite thing I have to do with any cat anywhere. <laughs> All right. And, you know, our oldest daughter just took in a cat. She had seen a couple of mice. And so she she just took in an older cat that belongs to somebody else to see if that cat can't, you know, take care of business. Hooray. You're welcome to it. So, uh, no thank you, please. They only make me sneeze. Okay literally and but you know when I say self-sacrificial and self-deprecating total submission that is stroking my fleshly fur the wrong way if we truly worship God when I was a kid hold that thought when I was a kid the Green Bay Packers won the very first Super Bowl. That was back right after the invention of fire. <laughs> okay, so that's how old I am. And as it turned out, the, um, that, that year, there was a, there, uh, one of the linemen for the Green Bay Packers, a guy by the name of Jerry Kramer, wrote a book called Instant Replay because the the championship game which became known as the Ice Bowl that year was played in Green Bay it was between the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys and the it was when they came out onto the field to start their warm-ups and I use the term warm-up very loosely because it was 50 degrees below 0 it was Frigid. Every collision became a catastrophe. Trying to catch a football in sub zero temperatures is brutal. And the ground was frozen solid. Cleats wouldn't catch. It's like run. It's like, you know, playing on concrete, etc. And Jerry Kramer, number 64, uh, was a I can't remember. I think he was the right guard was the right side he might have been the left and he and they ran a lot of sweeps and so he was a pulling guard and he uh, and he was also their backup kicker and they got down and the game was really really tight and it was one when the uh, Bart Starr the quarterback ran a, they were right down on the goal line and he ran a quarterback sneak. Kramer was up against a Dallas Cowboy by the name of Jethro Pugh. And he said about Jethro Pugh, he said, I've really got to do a good job blocking this guy because with a name like that, if they hear his name twice on the PA system as making the tackle, they'll never forget it. And if they hear it three times, they're gonna be thinking they've been hearing it all day long. And here they are, and Bart Starr is gonna go right over uh, I can't remember what the center's name was, and Jerry Kramer, and they, and they came off of the ball, and Jerry got got the advantage on Jethro Pugh and pushed him back, and Starr was able to just barely get across the goal line, and they showed that the replay of that play. 75 or 100 times. It was on the sports shows. It was over and over and over showing number 64, Jerry Kramer pushing the defenseman out of the way, allowing Bart Starr to score. And he said, all I can say is thank God for instant replay. Well, you can imagine when his book came out the following spring. Here's the guy that we've seen a hundred times blow that, uh, blow that defensive lineman out, you know, and I was a guard. I was playing guard that year in freshman ball. And so when they're handing out, well, you know, I was also playing on defense, but they, when they were handing out the, the jerseys, they said, okay, you know, and I had to have a 60 number because the sinners were 50s, we were 60s, the tackles were 70s. They don't necessarily do that anymore, but they were there. And they said, Mac, what number do you want? I said, 64. I wanted Kramer's number. And when they were handing out equipment and they were saying, what kind of a face mask do you want? I got a face mask that looked just like Jerry Kramer's. I had pictures of him in the book. I wanted to be just, we would say, he's my idol. Right? Wanted to be just like him in everything. And I remember when they threw in a play, you know, they said, maybe we can pull a guard and, and, and we can have him lead, uh, we can have him lead the, 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 the ball carrier, we'll run a, a sweep. You know? And so my coach said to me, Coach Rowe, I'll never forget it. He said, do you know how to pull? I said, yes, sir, I do. And it didn't occur to him because I had read what Kramer had said in his book about how to do that. And that is, you don't cut step back and then go that way. You, when the ball is snapped, I'm, I told the center, I'm coming right through where you are. So you, when you snap that ball, you better get off of it. Because I'm because I'm going to do it just like Jerry Kramer does it. And we had never run and play. And we were running against our own defense. You know, part of the guys, our own defense. And when I came off of that ball, they were supposed to let the end, the defensive end on the other side through. And I was supposed to take him out. And I'll never forget the look on Mark Hargrove's face. We used to call him Hargroovy. You know, when he looked up and like where did you come from just before I knocked him on his on his rear you know and the coaches are over there talking they put the play in he said wow he came up to me he said where did you learn to do that I he said I thought here you'd go and he said there was a shot that went across there and it's like man like and I said I'm doing it the way Jerry Kramer does it well everybody knew who Jerry Kramer was I don't have an idol I have a father whom I worship. And I want to be just like him. I want to be just like him. What, what jersey number do you want? I want God's jersey. I want Jesus. You know, he is my, he is my Lord. He is my, uh, you, he can't be an idol because he's not an idol. You, you, but you get what I'm saying. You know, that's why they say, and it says, I think it's in Isaiah, that those who worship idols have become like them. Well, I'm not going to worship an idol. I'm going God, to worship God, and I want to be just like him. You know, the Pharisees will tell you, well, true worship is crucial to having his presence and having his glory manifest and imitating him. Why would and is walking in righteousness. Amen. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ. The Pharisees would tell you they love God and some of them did. Nicodemus did. Joseph of Arimathea did. And others eventually. But most of them did not, and they weren't even aware of it. In fact, in John chapter 8, Jesus, verses 42, 48, and 49, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Skipping down to verse 48, the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? That's not love in any situation. And Jesus answered, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. If God were your father, you would love me. Well, he wasn't our father. This love that we have for him, this worship will control us just like hunger Will drive you. Multiple times a day. And if you're like me. You have to tell your body. We are not going to graze. I mean you know what I'm talking about. We're just eating a little bit here. And a little bit there. And everything. And then we'll sit down to a big meal. And then between meals. We've got to. We've got to graze. Oh man. That sounds good. Okay. John 14 15. If you love me. You will keep my commandments. Read that as written. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He doesn't say, if you keep my commandments, I will love you. Because he loves us either way. But he says, if you really love me, then you will do what I tell you. Because you want to be like me. You want to please me. John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Again, read it as written. Not, Don't stand it on its head. Where he says, I am your friend if you do what I command you. No, he is my friend irrespective. He, but I show myself to be his friend if I follow if I follow his commands. Not a lot of people don't like that word commandment because it's you know it's kind of harsh. Jesus used it. All right. So much for my introduction. We're just waiting to see if we get kicked off of uh, the web. No, we are. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it in for a landing here. Sort of. Jesus is God in the flesh. He wasn't God in the flesh. He is God in the flesh. He is the face of God. I ask you. Is the church here in the West. And I include when I say that. I mean America. North America, Canada, U.S. is the church in the West Europe, and I I count Australia, New Zealand, and with that, do we exhibit? And I'm talking the church at large, not just individual congregation. But would people say that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength do you think if we did people would be able to tell I think so do we truly worship God are we completely sold out let me let me give you a hint at that that we're now to the point that less than 8 percent of Bible believing evangelicals tithe less than 8 percent average giving among churchgoers but the number of which has shrunk dramatically since COVID. Average giving across the uh, evangelical, not, not Roman Catholic, or, but is 2.38%. 2.38. Does that say, when Jesus says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What kind of a percentage like that? What does that say? I'm not beating anybody up. I'm not trying to tell people, you know, you either tithe or go to hell. It's, it isn't a heaven or hell issue. But I'm saying if Jesus was correct in Matthew 6, where he says, wherever which is is under the habiting of breast or the pure in heart, if 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 that's true, then is that an index that tells us where we really live? I cite this because in Luke 16, 10, when he's talking about uh, being faithful in finances. He said he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous in much. And he considers faithfulness in finances a very little thing. Does my flesh consider that a very little thing? All right. In 1 John four seventeen. Through 19, he says, by this love is perfected with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we. Man, there are times you're going to need to stand in the mirror and tell you you are the righteousness of God in Christ. God is not mad at you. Chase him. We just got through singing a little while ago that his love, his goodness is chasing after me. Do we really believe that? Do we get in the car and say, Come on, goodness of God, we're going someplace. Amen. Because he, as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Hallelujah. Boy, remember that going forward. I'll give you a preview of Sunday morning. Where it says men's hearts failing them for fear. That word failing means to be breathless as if someone has sucked all the air out of you and you can't even breathe. (gasps) That's what's coming. But perfect love casts out fear. Yay. Because fear involves punishment. I like the word torment there better. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. uh, Psalm 91. Most of you can quote it. He who dwells in the secret place. Let me do a little embellishment there. The hidden pavilion. The well defended tower of the most high will say to you, the Almighty, to El Shaddai, you are my refuge, you are my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is you who are delivering me from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. You cover me with your feathers. Under your wings I have found refuge. Your faithfulness is my shield and my bulwark, which is a high defensive wall. I'm not afraid of the terror by night, or the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Though a thousand should fall at my side, and ten thousand at my right hand, I shall only look upon it with my eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For I've made you my refuge, even you, El Elyon, most high God, my dwelling place. We'll talk about theodicy suffering Sunday night. Because we're going to talk about Paul getting stoned in Lystra. Alright. But back to Psalm 91. No evil, which means accident, calamity, disaster, catastrophe, whatever. Or plague. Draws nigh unto my tent. Does that mean I'll never get sick? No. It means that God's watching over me. Yeah. Amen. And for he has given his angels charge concerning me. To guard me in all of my ways. And to me up on their hands. Lest I should dash my feet against the stone. And I am treading upon the lion and the cobra. Cobra and the young lion and the dragon. The tanin. That is a direct reference to Satan himself. I am trampling underfoot. Because I have... What, now see, it's an antiphonal psalm. I'm, I don't want to go this late. But it's an antiphonal psalm. And if you've ever read Psalm 91, you'll notice that it kind of it's like the pronouns get a little squirrely. And it's because it's an antiphonal uh, psalm. They would, you know, the the singers were in two two groups. And one would sing. And then the other group would respond. And so what I've done is as I go through it, I've just personalized it. And I've changed all the he's and the what's and everything to me and my. Except for God. You know, because God answers. Because he has loved me. Therefore, I will deliver him. Yes. I will set him securely on high because he is known. My name. I will be with him. In distress. In other words. He doesn't say. Oh you're never going to have any distress. I will be with you. In distress. I will rescue you. And honor you. With a long life. I will satisfy you. And I love this from the Hebrew. Cause you to feast your eyes. On my salvation. Because he has loved me. Me. That's the nature of our relationship. With God. It's a love relationship. If our musicians would come. Psalm 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. And <laughs> we have plenty of those. We have an abundance of evildoers. If evildoers were hamburgers. We couldn't eat them all. <laughs> Fred, did he really say that? I can't believe he said that. All right. Fred Fred brought worse. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. The word soon there, just remember that's God saying that. And soon doesn't mean the same thing to him as it means to us. 21 years ago he said, I weep for my people who are about to be left behind. About to is not 21 years. Although I think it is already in the process of happening. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in Yahweh and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. I like the New American Standard Bear here because it says cultivate Faithfulness. I'm reading from the ESV. Delight yourself in Yahweh. Delight yourself in the Lord. Your favorite thing in life. Wow. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to Yahweh. Trust in Him. And He will act. He will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light. That I am ready to see. How that in the days ahead, the church will rise. And that the righteousness of the church will become obvious. Some people will rejoice and others will gnash their teeth. But it's okay. Because God is going to have his way. And by the way, he already is having his way. He will bring forth your righteousness and the light and your justice. I like the word judgment there, as the noonday. Yes. It's, it's good to have the judge rule in your favor. Be still before Yahweh. Wait patiently for him. Don't get all bent out of shape over the one who pros- the evil one of the prospers in his way or over the man who carries out evil devices. Man, that's good preaching. I won't read this last one because it's, it's, it, we're running out of time, but frustration got a hold of Moses. And God told him, Moses, go out and speak to the rock. And he came out and he snarled at the people. Understandably so. They were a mess. And in his anger and frustration, he smote the rock which was not what God told him to do but God in his mercy allowed the rock to bring forth water but he said Moses you and I need to talk and that act of frustration kept him out of the promised land we are to rest in him and let him bring it to pass so many people are out trying to get do get the will of God to come into their lives and if they'll just worship and walk with him and be obedient and righteous he'll take care of that in fact in verse 6 there of Psalm 37 he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. he will bring it I don't have to bring it he will and if we skip down to if they're in Psalm 37 to verse 19 It says, Yahweh knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. Let's say that together. I am not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, I have abundance. You can claim that because that is his word for you. Let's give him what he wants You know what God wants from me? Me That's what he wants. He doesn't want anything I have because He doesn't need a computer. He doesn't need an iPad. He doesn't need a cell phone That's two years old. I Don't have the latest and the greatest and even if I did he doesn't need it. God doesn't need a cell phone He doesn't need a forerunner. He doesn't need um, uh, any of that stuff. But he wants me. And he wants you. Amen. Let's give him what he wants. Us. Let's give him our love. Let's give him our allegiance. Our obedience. To paraphrase one of the greatest characters and examples of faith in the Bible. And I'm paraphrasing here. Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you where you go. I will go Where you lodge? I will lodge Your people shall be my people for you are My God your God will be my God. You are my God and where I am to die I will die and there I will be buried That is the level of commitment he desires. He'll take it if we offer less. Because he is love. But it is in our best interest. Those watching by web. Let's all stand. Those watching by web. If you do not know Jesus. I don't know how you found us. But if you don't know Jesus. You need to be born again. There is a heaven to gain. And hell is real. I am not holding out hell as a threat or as a i'm not trying to scare anyone into the kingdom of god it is the goodness of god that draws us to repentance i do however want you to know you must be born again no one goes into his presence without that no one walks with him without that no one receives the full-orbed blessing of God. And let me tell you, it's impossible to please Him without being born again. It is impossible to worship Him without being born again. Would you do that? Would you repent? Would you just say, look, Lord, my life's a mess. I, I, I see it. And I lay it all at your feet. I repent. I turn. I can't change myself. And I throw myself upon your mercy, Lord Jesus I accept your sacrifice for me come into my heart, be my Lord, not just my Savior, my Lord, I need you Lord Father God, help me, bring me into your family and the scripture says you will be transferred out from the boot of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of God's beloved son, Christian watching this if you aren't all in You can pray, Lord, help me to love you more. That is a prayer he will answer. Help me to love you more. Help me to walk in righteousness and uprightness and obedience. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to be your hand extended to the people around me because people around me are a mess. I know. I live with them. And it is in that loving him first. And foremost center of our universe as I said a couple of lessons ago that is the difference that's where we need to be because there's that's where the the true springs of living water welling up in us through eternal life that's what he meant and that's what it is amen and amen we hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped Build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone, available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot org, Org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.